For just a few bucks, you can become a supporter of the Duct Tape and Paperclips Patreon. You'll get access to a special podcast feed with secret bonus content, where Annie and Nathan break down related stuff like the MacGyver Simpsons episode, Richard Dean Anderson's TV movie work, and lots more. At a higher level, you can even join Annie and Nathan in the Zoom when they record their episodes live and meet the comedian guests. And of course, supporters get access to cool merch like stickers, pins, even a custom engraved Swiss Army knife. Sweet! So what are you waiting for? Head over to patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod and join up today. That's patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod. Thanks for your support. Duct tape and paper clips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is right. And right now we are breaking down season two, episode 12, Family Matter. Yes. <laughs> Will it hold up? We're going to find out. Uh, but first, let's catch up a little. Annie, what's going on with you? How's your week going? What is going on? So um, Felicity and Ben are back together. I'm really oh, upset Lord. about it. Um, <laughs> I really feel that she should have chosen Noel. Um, but... Do you want to do like a... What you should be doing is dragging me into your Felicity podcast since I dragged you into my MacGyver one. That's, you know what? That's an excellent idea for a <laughs> bonus episode that maybe our Patreon uh, subscribers uh, will enjoy. So yes. Felicity content is coming on the page. Just decided this. Um, <laughs> here's the thing with Felicity that I am sort of enjoying is that it's a show that is like about uh, someone's college experience. Right. And it's actually four seasons and they actually kept to sort of this is this character in college. They don't do hmm. any of this bullshit where then everyone graduates and gets apartments right next to each other. Like right. it's just uh, like a capsule of, of this time. So it's and literally like four seasons, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Yes. Huh. Which I, I enjoy that about the show. It's not a bad show. I'll say that it, <laughs> it's better than MacGyver. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we're sitting through a pandemic, just watching any kind of like mediocre and worse garbage when there's so much good stuff out there. It's like, what is wrong with us? I don't know, but I, I pepper it in. I like to yeah, of course. sort of like have, um, like my highbrow and lowbrow tastes can coexist. So mm. I did burn through the first season of Call My Agent. And yes. I loved it. I was Great. like, yes. Love I it. was immediately on board. Awesome. Um, and in terms of my life, because what you asked me about was not Felicity and Ben. Um, but that <laughs> oh, is what uh, has been going on with me. Yeah. Um, but I have, you know, now that I'm fully vaccinated, I have started booking my travel. So I have trips to New York, to Chicago and to Vermont in wow. the next like three months. And I'm making up for lost time. <laughs> psyched. Well, slash doing things that I need to do. Um, <laughs> okay. Right. So um, what about you? Oh, um, what is new with me? Uh, I spent the better part of the week uh, writing against a deadline for the first mm. time in a long time. Um, I wrote a little piece for seven days. 
Cool. Which is our local alt-weekly newspaper here in Burlington, Vermont. And that should be in this week's issue and online. Uh, that was fun. It was like a thousand word piece. And I haven't written anything like that in quite a while. And it was a fun exercise to actually have like a deadline to write toward. And you uh, can't tease anything about it. It's going to be a um, full surprise. They're doing kind of a, a spread of a bunch of different articles about re-entry anxiety into society. Oh, right and in your wheelhouse. It's interesting because I spent the last year like being completely free to follow or not follow whatever creative <laughs> impulses I have and to have like... Uh, a marching order and ha and ha have someone else be sitting at the other end of the line waiting for this product. Um, that was a new feeling after a year. So I think it came out pretty well. They seem happy with it. And I'm, I've always felt like there is like a book of essays in me. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to do that. I've take, taken notes on it and outlined stuff before and never really buckled down and done it. And so doing this was a fun exercise and made me think like, maybe I could keep doing this, just keep kicking out these essays and see how they go. But we'll see. Yeah. You just need um, deadlines and people maybe. telling you what to... Yeah. Right. I recently um, did some edits for like an acquaintance comic of mine had these personal essays that she really wanted like a, a she wanted like a tough edit on them and <laughs> it was really fun <laughs> it is fun i know to, yeah it was really fun to a like you're saying have a deadline um but also it was just really um nice that it wasn't about me and my life like and i got to be like oh it'd be right. great if you explored this and she was like that's a terrifying idea i don't yeah. want to talk about that <laughs> um so it's kind of fun when it's yeah. not you yeah i did the same thing for uh, my buddy who's a filmmaker he wrote a screenplay and sent it over to me and you know it's always good to get another critical eye on things I always tell like my stand-up students, uh, a lot of them want to like, do, they'll like do their act before they go to class for their spouse and their spouse will sit there and not laugh. And then they'll be like, you're going to say that you're going to do that because mm -hmm. they just can't contextualize what it would be like in front of an audience because they're yeah. not comedians. Right. And so like, I'm always kind of trying to like tell people, find someone who understands this stuff, who's like, you can cr trust creatively, you know, and yes. share your work with them. Don't assume that you're, you know, that you're... <laughs> that your wife who works at a tire store is going to be like, you know, the best uh, sounding board for your brand new stand-up. Even if your partner has a comedic sensibility, talking about nobody in particular that I know, um, <laughs> I, I feel like maybe it's not the best person always to get feedback. Hey, uh, I can't relate to that either. Like, there's always, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it might be good to, to go outside the relationship for your yeah. um, feedback. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms uh, when you share it with yeah, somebody who I mean, is a comedian. You, exactly. Who you and are it, married to. It extends to other things too, because like I've had the experience of like having a boyfriend try to like teach me to ski, for example. <laughs> a bad idea. Just yeah. don't do things like that. Um, right. Either pay someone to do that for you or right. find someone that you're not in a romantic relationship with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because uh, like that's always like the romantic thing in the movie, right? It's like the, the like some guys teaching a girl how to play tennis or whatever and they read. Oh, <laughs> like, God, you know, yeah. It's like romantic for five minutes in a movie, but it's not, you for know. For five minutes in a movie. They cut out the part where like, <laughs> you know, you're crying by the end. Yeah, and you're like, I can do it. Just stop. me? Stop yeah. grabbing my wrist. I've got it. <laughs> I can do it. It's like you can't do it. You're not doing it. Right. Um, 
Well, we should get to our, our guest. We have a, a very special guest today, and we also have a little surprise later on in the episode. Oh We're going to be gosh, talking I'm to someone so who may or may not have been in this episode of MacGyver. But first, we have a fantastic comedian guest to get to. She is an amazing comedian who has been featured at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, and she was a winner of the Vermont's Funniest Comedian Contest. It's our old pal, Tina Frimmel. Hi, Tina. Hello. Welcome. It is nice to see you. We were just discussing before we started here that we're kind of feeling like we're nearing the end of 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 the hardest year of our lives, and it's it's in waves. Like we have positivity, yeah. and then we have depression uh, in these waves, huh? Uh, how are th- have things been for you lately? Oh yeah, I would argue it's harder and weirder for me now than ever ever before, <laughs> just because mm-hmm. like I thought that it would get warmer, the vaccine would emerge and work and it will be like oh my god we're gonna be okay but no it's like hills and valleys and I know I think we've kind of existed in this awful dread for a year now so it's I think it's actually kind of hard to like get out of that even if it's looking good right now yeah it was so hard for so long and even though there's plenty of things to be hopeful about we can't just shift gears completely especially when you turn on the news and like oh guess what the whole state of texas has opened up like just like oh maybe we won't get out of this as easy as we thought uh so maybe be on guard still you know we're all still kind of on guard i guess exactly i i think well i Every time that anyone ever says cautiously optimistic, <laughs> I just like I love it because that's correct. Like, it's I the watchword we'll of twenty twenty one. Yeah, for real. Yeah, and Truly. I my prediction is it's gonna take a while because like now I'm starting to think about like, oh, am I ready to like do X activity again? It's like, well, maybe not yet. Yeah, yeah. that's that's actually for me, I began to realize, oh, damn, <laughs> like, <laughs> we are going to get back into live comedy, and mm-hmm. and I'm going to be around people, and I feel like we can all be on Twitter and be like, oh, my God, hot girl summer, <laughs> <laughs> like, but... I think we're all underestimating how awkward we'll all be. <laughs> I think shy girl summer. That's what it needs to be. So what kind of stuff? Obviously, you're too young for this show, Tina. But what kind of stuff were you watching when you were a kid? Oh, man. Um, I actually got really into Arthur. <laughs> like, okay. I know that that is a, a kid's show, but. The thing about Arthur was, no, it was not. Like, (laughs) it had, like, a whole lot of drama. And and I know that, like, my brother got really into Bill and I and Wishbone Mm -hmm. and, like... This is, I feel like all of the things you're mentioning are PBS programming. Were you, uh like, a big PBS kid? Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we, we grew up, you know, in rural Vermont, um and PBS was huge later on in like 
fourth, fifth grade, we got really into Nickelodeon. Mm. And that that was a bit a bit more like wicked humor, like a bit more, I don't know, just SpongeBob and Rocket Power and mm. and then and you would get like Ghost Rider and Degrassi and yeah. and things that you're not really supposed to watch because they're for older kids, but like they come on right after. I should have guessed Degrassi because I you have a whole joke about yeah. Degrassi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would say though that like my my MacGyver equivalent where I got super into it, but it's unwatchable now. Full House. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing to me that we, I mean, we are from entirely different generations and that is the same for me. It must just, it's just a testament to how long that show stayed popular in syndication that you were able to watch it, you know, as much as I was as a kid, because it was on every day of my childhood and probably yours too. Yep. Um, It's incredible how long it stayed popular for Everybody watched it. Everyone said the catchphrases. So Mm -hmm. I am like the... I'm around the same age. I'm like younger than Stephanie... (laughs) <laughs> but I'm older than Michelle. Yeah. And so like when I was in elementary school, it, like you got it, dude. Um, yeah, yeah. Like all of the catchphrases were everywhere. It was just cut like, it out. Oh, yeah. Cut it, out. it was yeah. like a way of life. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I was like, I'm just old enough to be I'm like a DJ kid, right? I'm yeah. just old enough oh, yeah. to remember like it was on every Friday night, new episodes, but also it had already passed the 100 episode mark and was mm-hmm. in syndication and was on TV every day too. So I got my fill of it. it and it, and I, I remember making fun of it a lot too. I remember that my sister and my mom and I would sit around and make fun of the fact that every episode ed- ended with a touching dad speech from Danny um, with a little synthesizer music. And we just used to like... And especially when the Beach Boys would be on there. Yeah. <laughs> Like and also like by the way that was dated then to have like the Beach Beach Boys Boys be like your favorite band like that was dated for the time but I remember like my dad and my older brothers kind of making jokes about how like these weird grown men lived in the house and like you don't even think about that but like as an adult thinking about the idea that like my two grown brothers would move in to help me like (laughs) do something it's like no um even if my spouse had died I would be like you know what I'm I'm good I don't one of them has a um, wife and like yeah I don't need an entire family um in my attic and an (laughs) uncle in my alcove in my living room I would be furious if if yeah. I had to walk into his basically a joke shop in <laughs> at all time. Yeah, I think that when Rebecca and Uncle Jesse married and they moved into the attic mm-hmm. as opposed to getting their own house. Yeah. That even at 12, I was like, yeah, okay. And had twins right. and had twins yeah. and twins, at no yeah. point thought it was time to maybe um, find and like, by the way, she's an anchor of like a popular morning show. The idea that she would be squatting in her co-host's attic um, <laughs> just really strange. <laughs> um, well, fun. We should probably get into talking about the episode of MacGyver that we've come to talk about, huh? Uh, we always do this, Tina. At, uh, in every episode, we ha- have Annie read out a little summary of what happened for people who may not remember what happened. Um, mm-hmm. So can we get a little uh, summary to refresh our memory about family matter? <laughs> 
Certainly. Um, Family Matters, the episode, not Family Matters, the TV show. Yes, not Family Matters, the TV show. Um, I'm already enraged, so I can't (laughs) wait to to read this out for everybody. Um, Okay, so MacGyver is called in to help his boss slash handler slash best friend, Pete Thornton. Pete's ex-wife and son have been kidnapped in the Louisiana Bayou by Frank Bonner, a former agent of the Phoenix Foundation who has a grudge against Pete, believing him to be responsible for his family's murder. Pete follows the kidnapper's instructions and surrenders himself, but of course, MacGyver secretly follows close behind. The bad guys eventually discover that MacGyver is lurking in the swamp, but Mac outwits and defeats them, saves Pete and his family, and even helps to repair Pete's broken relationship with his son. <laughs> That's our episode of television. Um, that was great. Uh, well, let's start start by talking about like the low hanging fruit. What's the most obvious stuff we absolutely have to talk about? Um, so Tina, was there anything that jumped out at you right away? You've never really watched MacGyver. So what was your uh, impression of the yeah. show itself and of this episode? Well, the thing that, that bothered me, the, I would say the most, <laughs> but the whole thing was how chill they all were, that they were hostages. Yeah. And... <laughs> Like the guy's uh, <laughs> wife and son are like h- held hostage in a jungle. He does not know for a fact that they're alive, and yeah. he's just like, "Where are we going?" Yeah, he's like making quips while he's <laughs> getting there? naked. Like I know he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh my god, that infuriated me." When he yeah. and then he was like, "Hey, we're, what about my documents and papers?" Yeah, like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Your ex-wife might be dead right now. You're right. I never really thought about the stakes being like life or death and him being very chill about it. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, hey, come on now. Like, he's <laughs> like saying hi to the fisherman. Like, yeah. hello. And he's quipping the entire time. He's quipping the yeah. entire time, yeah. Anytime MacGyver has something to do in secret that re- takes time, They have to write dialogue for that whole time to fill that entire three minutes it takes MacGyver to crawl around in his belly and move the watch from one place to another. So while that's happening, they're just reinventing like every every five seconds, Pete brings up another conversation that has nothing to do with anything. So what about, what do you think? Um, I got radio signals in my toenails. What is, so where are you taking me? So what about, I want to see my ex-wife and son. It's just like, let's make a bunch of dialogue and have them talk. But like in a real situation like this, nobody would be talking, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. I think I got more on the bad guy's side. I was like, you know what? I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so much I feel about this. First of all, I'm 0% <laughs> surprised that Pete is a deadbeat dad. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. He is a human garbage. Um, yeah. And I've said that many times on this podcast. <laughs> Um, also Pete is someone we have seen be actively bad at his job basically all the time. So you've neglected your family for a job you were not good at, dude. <laughs> like it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. I loved that. Um, Pete's ex-wife is like, no, thanks. I don't want to go to dinner with you at the end. That was <laughs> the best part of the episode yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Now, so I had a few thoughts about Pete in regard to this episode. One, what I thought what I thought was great about it is that 
They made Pete the victim in this scenario, which is so much better than making Pete an active co-conspirator in the field. Because anytime they drag Pete out from behind a desk and make him be a spy with MacGyver, it is so awkward to watch. So it was at least he was just a victim instead of trying to actively participate in the plan. Um, And then uh, I also... One of the things I thought was super funny, his son, at the very beginning, we meet his son and his ex-wife, and they're on some archaeological dig for no goddamn reason, and they're (laughs) digging stuff up, and and – and we have all these lines from the son who were, uh, you know, Pete Thornton was a part-time father. You don't have to defend him. Mom, you divorced him, remember? And I was really upset when he didn't show up to my high school graduation. He says all this like back to back to back. And I'm like, if this guy isn't a chip off the old exposition block, because uh, this is the job usually re- like reserved for Pete. <laughs> it's just like lay all the track at the top of the episode. But of course, his son gets uh, to do that. In this I love episode. it. It is amazing. It was like his son was starting um, a level one improv show scene. It <laughs> yeah. was really just, just like establish that base hey, reality. Mom, you you divorced dad for a reason. Also, he missed my graduation. Also, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even call him dad. Okay, what's what's up with you? Yeah. <laughs> that is just really gifting it. the scene there. Yes, um, uh, that's great. Any other first impressions or anything, Tina, or well, anything at all? I looked at the IMDb page for this episode, mm. and uh, there was some like something about about the gas in the bayou, and like something that he did with the gas. People online were like, "No, <laughs> that's not it." I believe it was, uh, you know. A, you're never going to get that much gas pressurized enough to explode in one of those things. And B, it doesn't smell as much as you think it does. So either both of those things were apparently not realistic. But oftentimes that is the case with MacGyverisms where, you know, they'll either deliberately remove some stuff because they don't want kids being able to build bombs at home or they will just kind of fake something because it's fun. This is, yeah, once again, the fact that MacGyver is anti-gun but pro-bomb is so (laughs) bizarre to me <laughs> I, I i this particular episode for me was very it hit me right in my like nine-year-old nate kind of imagination kind of uh thing because i grew up in the woods and we had dead tractors around and we had a lot of woods and rivers to play in and stuff and this is exactly the type of episode that i would have reenacted by my lonesome little self in the woods, right? Like I would have crawled under under Jeeps and pretended I was hooking my watch to the Jeeps and I would have like tied ropes to old tractors and uh, like everything he does in this episode, I couldn't, I could find an analog for nine-year-old Nate playing in Sheffield, Vermont. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of fun. I was like, oh yeah, I would have definitely like tied something around my head, like a headband or used my bike as though it were a dirt bike and made engine noises. And like, it was very uh, like, like little boy friendly this episode i thought um oh yeah i mean when that boat blows up like that is cool i mean what yeah (laughs) what child wouldn't be delighted by that yeah yeah. that was not expecting like having never watched (laughs) macgyver before like yeah that was probably the only moment that i was like wow yeah what did you all think about the turn when we learn that Obadiah is not who he says he is. Thank fucking God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever uh, were you God as offended as I was to. for five straight minutes. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> oh, it was a bit thank God. Something this bayou runs straight up four miles. Then she split. You take the right channel, she take you right to Gator Camp. Came is big old branch in the water with a tie nailed on it. And you think that could be where they're going? Ain't no could be. 
Gator Camp only dry land for 60 miles. Them old boys with your friend, I spied them there. Week back. I am not a person who knows a lot about the swamps of Louisiana. Sure. I'm going to own that right now. I have been to the swamps of Louisiana exactly once in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I probably would have fallen for, for a similar um, grift. Like yeah. if someone was just yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm a fisherman. And, but oh my, like, why did we have to do that accent? And then when he, when he breaks the cover and he's just like on the walkie talk on the, on the radio, just like, okay, like (laughs) completely different voice. Yeah. It was almost like a white guy voice that he was doing at that point. It was like, make the contrast super big. Yeah. The contrast, they, they made like, they made this big show of, of this contrast. Riverhead One to Gator Camp. Do you read me? I read you, Riverhead One. Go on. There's a man following Thornton. Name of MacGyver. I sent him up river in my skiff. He should reach the tire on the branch in the river at approximately 1,100 hours. But, like, I'll tell you one thing. I wish that, like, he had fooled MacGyver a little bit more than he did because I, it did not sit right with me that this guy puts on this character, which is arguably racist Mm -hmm. and MacGyver immediately sees through it and knows exactly what's going on. And like, it is smarter than this dude and is able to like, kind of um, suss out what's happening Mm -hmm. that, um, did not feel great to me. Yeah, it's, and it's also the stakes never get super high for MacGyver himself because he's always one step ahead of everybody. Right. And it would, you know, it would have been a, an easy thing for him to fall for that, get himself captured, and then mm-hmm. have to figure out how to free everybody from from the inside right. out. Um, but instead, yeah, he's always on the outside. He's always in control. I do like, however, um, the dummy that he made. I, <laughs> I. My own nine-year-old self would have loved that part. Yeah, with the little face. <laughs> with the face. <laughs> yeah, the little face was was pretty cool. And also just MacGyver stealing the um a villain's clothing is always gonna hit for me. I love that um mm-hmm. that gimmick. I love when yeah. he ties somebody up and takes their outfit. That <laughs> I love that. Um and MacGyver in the camo with the black headband yeah. was a good look for him um, as someone yeah. who does not praise, uh, you know, mm-hmm. MacGyver's looks a lot um, that that worked. Well, I, I loved he had three distinctly different looks in this, which I, I loved every mm-hmm. one of them. The first one is the the black like the black leather jacket and like mm-hmm. black jeans and black boots and the gloves. And he's like a dirt bike rider. And then he has to take the leather jacket off to make the dummy. So then he's got this other like kind of dumb button down chamois shirt. Like now I'm in the wilderness kind of look. Um, and then he beats the guy up and takes his headband. <laughs> so he had like three different looks as he kind of evolved deeper and deeper into the jungle, which was kind of fun. Yeah. He gets more and more um, into it. What yeah. did you guys think of the villains and, and, and that whole crew. <laughs> I I said that I thought the the honchos seemed like just incels in camo. Like there was no real sense of like where did you get these guys and and are they mercenaries or are they there like was one of them that he felt 
he really felt to me like he's a guest star on the office or something, yeah. you know, yeah. like somebody, I know the one you just, mean. he yeah. just looks like a kind of character comedic actor. Who's just really like nerds out about Rick and Morty. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's that's, way too soft for the jungle. Yeah. yeah. And I was just, uh, that was the crew was a little bit, um, ramshackle ragtag. Yeah. yeah. No point in this. Did I ever, get like a sense of danger and i think that is in part because no one cared that much but also yeah they they were not kind of thug big mean guys right. they were just like kind of interns yeah, it was almost like the the, pr- the producers of the show all cast their adult sons or something they really felt like they they did yeah it was like a a a look like you look like your dad works in TV. Like yeah. that is yeah. kind of who these people were. Yeah. I will say about like the main villain who had lost his family. Mm. Um, he really has done zero to look into how they died. Like that felt yeah. strange to me. Like he just really didn't know too much about it. Yeah. Um, but is willing to capture and kill Pete's entire Yeah, his family. whole story has a lot of holes in it. Um, the whole thing is uh, he got them. He also got them a grant. He got the Pete's ex-wife and son a grant to bring them. Well, that's a very complicated way to like it lure them into it. Such a weird way to get people down to Louisiana. Yeah. Like, you got an archaeological yeah, right. grant yeah, for them. Yeah. What? Two two moments he had that I absolutely loved. One when he hears on over the radio that MacGyver is 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 in pursuit. He says MacGyver. Of course he would send MacGyver. And mm-hmm. then he says, "Get up here." You can help us mar- bury MacGyver. And then the guy hangs up and he goes, MacGyver. <laughs> and then oh, it cuts yeah. to he commercial. He says his name like six times in a row. I love that. Lot. And I also love when Michael uh, uh, dares to defy him, when Pete's son dares to defy him. And he does that weird like spinning punch into his oh, gut. Yeah. It's so hammy. Like what human being... It, it was like a joker or something. It was like the way oh, he... Oh, like an underhand. Like he did, he made a spinning motion yeah, with his hand and then like punched him underhand. up type of... Yeah, it's very to, odd. To, to punch him is very strange. Although Pete's son um, is really the Greek chorus for this show because he yeah. is pointing out um, how shitty Pete is, yeah. which I, I he was already um, on... I was yeah. already on his side with that one. Yeah. Um, and also he dares to point out that like... MacGyver is one dude who has no expertise here. What? <laughs> why are we relying on him? Yeah. yeah. And Connie is like, for all intents and purposes, a human prop the entire way through this episode. Just yes. wailing and a victim. When she falls down. Oh yeah, my she's God. In, she gets them basically caught. Like, And at the end, you could make the case that it's a good thing that she doesn't, that they don't get back together. I liked that. And that, yeah. and that she lets him go reconnect with his son. You guys have a lot to talk about. I don't want to get in the way or whatever. But also... I don't want to get in the way is another, just another passive mom thing mm. of like, I, I don't belong in this story other than to just be a victim. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, that, this whole episode could have been a son being captured. Right. Oh, it was not necessary. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> she was just collateral damage. It was, I think it was kind of not probably novel at the time to have a character who was his ex-wife, but not made out to be, like they liked each other, you know, even though they were divorced, they still liked each other and he was still concerned for her safety, which I thought was nice a little bit. I was like, oh, usually you see ex-wife depicted as like, 
you know, yeah. the person trying to take my house and ruin my life, you know? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. that was at yeah, least nice. Although I will say that like, had I watched this as a child, I would have been very confused about um, the handholding at the end of the episode. And mm-hmm. I probably would have thought that that meant they were getting back together. Maybe. So yeah, it yeah, felt yeah. a little bit like, yeah. They were trying to kind of like leave it a little open-ended. Maybe. Oh, there's a moment at the end. I loved when this whole thing is going down with the swamp gas bombs and everything. Um, there is that moment when you think they're going to kill the wife and he says, mm-hmm. shoot her. And it's like, shoot her, pause, shoot her, big pause. And then out of nowhere, Pete just yells, no, it's like <laughs> his timing is so bad. He's like an extra five seconds late. And then MacGyver comes in and tackle. It's like, what are you thinking? You could edit this out. Like you could literally edit around this, but yeah, I loved all the shit on the dirt bike. I would have loved that as a kid. And that was probably the height of like cutting edge technology at the time, mm-hmm. like a watch that you can follow along with what from this thing on your dirt bike. How rad is that? Yeah. Well, when they introduced that kind of gadget, I was like, Oh, cool. That's like, <laughs> that's like today times. <laughs> but, but then it's just like a bunch of arrows. It's like a digital compass. It doesn't right. even do anything. Um, but blowing up the boat was cool. Um, yeah. I, I loved that. And I also really liked, you know, when they're making those explosives, um, not a fan of the heavy handed speech that MacGyver mm. tries to give the son. Uh, yeah. That was incredibly painful to watch. <laughs> <laughs> he can get your a strange son to invite you to his college graduation. He can two years from now, like, come on, they could not have moved that up at all for the sake of the story. Right. There was no, like they could not have said like, I'm graduating this this summer. Right. You know, come on guys. There are so many moments like that where you're like, there's no reason for this. Like for instance, it was pointed out in a previous episode that uh, the Eagles episode where um, MacGyver introduces himself to this kid and this kid goes, yeah, I know. I heard you tell my mom. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) why, why did you, why couldn't you just say nice to meet you? We could have saved five seconds here. What are we doing? And they had another moment like that where they're, they tumbled into the grass together. You know, they escaped together, MacGyver and the son. And MacGyver, you know, finally has this funny moment where he kind of goes, name's MacGyver. And the guy and the kid goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, well, you could just say nice to meet you and have a nice moment and shake his hand. That would have been fine. And then, of course, there's the other half of that, which is. Pete is ostensibly your best friend. Now, I know he's been a terrible father, but you have to have met this kid. This kid is like 20 years old. At some point, you know, if you're really friends, MacGyver must have met this kid, right? He, he like, Absolutely. And the, what yeah. you say to the kid is, yeah, I haven't, met, I haven't seen you since you're eight years old. You kind of grew up a little. Like, that's what you say when you yes. haven't seen your friend's kid in, you know, 10 years. But the fact that MacGyver is only just meeting this kid now and is ostensibly Pete's best friend is a little ludicrous. And I think it's fine if the kid doesn't remember him or something, but yeah, like, that's how those things work. Right. That's like, like come real on. <laughs> I just, yeah, I felt like that was like just wasted opportunities to actually move the story forward. Yeah. Right. Like any number of things could have come out of that conversation. And yeah. instead we just get MacGyver saying, you should invite your dad to your graduation. I know yeah. he loves you, even though he's given you no evidence <laughs> to support that. It just makes um, me wonder if they, like, do they, it's almost like they have two, right? They write the actions like storyline with all of the gadgets and the bad guys and the, and all of that and the ending. And, and then they bring in a different writer and they say, okay, now you have to make the emotional stakes. <laughs> like, And they just shoehorn like three scenes in to make it feel like, Okay, now now we should care about these people. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel cohesive at all. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, just kind of jam-pack it with emotional fluff. Yeah. Just to yeah. give a reason why they're blowing up a boat. Yeah, <laughs> and that poor writer is like, okay, where can I fit a conversation where we talk about how bad a father he was? You know, I guess it'll be when they're making <laughs> these bombs. You know, like... <laughs> My name is Scott Coffey, and I played Michael Thornton on an episode of MacGyver. Awesome. I played Pete's son. <laughs> when I got the email invitation to join your podcast, I had, um, uh, like I told you guys earlier, I get requests for things that I don't, I don't normally do. I'm not, I'm not an actor anymore. I don't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, and I'm really happy doing that. I love it. And. Um, I really hated this experience being on the, being on MacGyver. It was it was awful, and um, there was just something hilarious about being that you guys do this this podcast. It's really funny, and when you invited me to do it, I was like, "Well, that that kind of sounds great." Like this was, this was so sort of dramatic. And so horrible. why did you hate it so much? I well, okay. First of all, I didn't know that show. I know it was kind of mm -hmm. a big hit, um, and I was. I was a pretentious young actor and I studied actor studio in New York and I came to LA and I'd, I'd done a few movies that were, that were pretty good. And um, I think I, I think if I remember correctly, I, I got offered this, this guest spot. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. It's a big hit show. And my agent was like, you should do it. And it's this guy's son, the sort of sidekick to MacGyver. I mm -hmm. never will remember that guy's name, but he's a <laughs> kind of benevolent, big bald guy. who was yeah, like, Pete. Yeah. Was it, was it, is that his name? Pete? Yeah. Pete. Wasn't Pete. So I think I paid Pete's son, right? You did, yeah. 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 So I was supposed to have a kind of a much bigger arc. Like I think I was gonna be like on the show, you know? Like, I, I mean, I for, could oh, see that character coming that, back for sure. Good. Yeah. yeah. And that was I think that was my deal. They made it pretty lucrative for me, exciting. I was like twenty-two or something like that. But I just I it was kind of an awful experience. They were just they were they weren't very nice and huh. it was kind of shitty and I didn't know what the show was and I thought it was just I don't know what, I guess I thought it was some cop show or something. So I didn't really mm -hmm. know what it was. Yeah. And he was really nice. Richard, Richard Dean Anderson was mm -hmm. really nice. And the guy that played Pete, who are you, <laughs> that guy's name is, I don't remember. I think his name is Dana, was, Dana Elkar. His yeah. name's yeah, Dana, Dana Elkar. Yeah. He's, right. I, I don't believe he is living anymore, right? He no. passed away, Nathan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, he they were really sweet. They were really nice. But um, I just didn't know what I was getting into. And it was really kind of, shitty episodic, episodic television mm. we were shooting inside of the paramount Studios, so there were like fake shitty cheesy fake plastic trees yeah. in our campfire <laughs> scene and yeah. everything about it was just sort of awful and i didn't know how to make the text work and like yeah. i said i was a pretentious young actor and that i sort of thought of myself as i wanted to be sean penn and i studied <laughs> at you know the actor studio in new york with stella adler and they were sort of handing me these sort of horrible things and they were we were shooting scenes like five scenes an hour it was so crazy and <laughs> oh, there was wow. no okay there was no kind of like process to it it was this kind of crazy there was a bizarre kind of narcissism around everything mm -hmm. this richard Dean anderson character was really everything was on this guy's back i mean sure. he probably was working like 20 hour days wow. six days a week for like doing 22 episodes a year i mean yeah. that was a lot of work like a crazy yeah. amount of work so there's no there's no such thing as like taking a moment to kind of figure out what the motivation of your character is to get into a moment. He was just like, bam, 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 bam. And he developed the kind of pattern and a lot of habits. And um, he had this 
thing. And I don't remember my scenes with him, except that I thought I was in, I was impressed by how he, how well he was holding up sort of mentally and spiritually mm-hmm. under the kind of pressure that was happening. I was like a fast fucking basket case. I was like, <laughs> we're moving on. I didn't even like get the line right. I got right and I was just kind of going forward with everything. And he, he had this kind of rhythm and he underplayed everything. Everything was just like, he barely even did anything. Yeah. And um, yeah. I remember the producers warning me that like, He's he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He kind of underplays everything. Yeah. You know, he really kind of, <laughs> he's trying to conserve his goddamn energy. He's got thing. so much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. And um and they were the big warning was like, don't try to match his energy because you'll disappear. So you have to kind of heighten everything to like mm-hmm. balance off him. Mm. And I and I was like, I don't what does that mean? You know? So it was like everything was like that just makes your character look crazy. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. right. So they wanted me to sort of uh, kind of overact everything to yeah. really be a kind of performative chipmunk or something, you know? <laughs> and um, I just, it was just, it was just miserable. It was terrible. And if you look at the episode, I'm like, my, I have this horrible kind of crease in my forehead and I'm, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm so tense. And like, it's the worst acting. I'm just, I'm just screaming tensity in like tense tension, you know, and not tension, character tension, but just like, get me out of here. It's awful. You know, it's so that interesting. Is, oh, God. Yeah. oh my gosh. You're, you're really validating a lot of what we've picked up <laughs> watching the show because one, one of the things that we always have, um, have brought up on these episodes is that it, it seems like the, these guest roles are just so high energy <laughs> compared with um compared with Richard Dean Anderson's performance which mm. is like borderline depressive um yeah. like high yeah. risk situations and he's not even reacting to them um but i wonder do you remember what your impressions were even as you know a 22 year old coming in and reading that script i thought it was just terrible i thought it was so <laughs> just such Shit. Like I was like, wait, what? I don't know what happens in that. There, I, I the, the thing I remember the most is there's some campfire scene. Um, that's the main, our main. That was your. Thing. That was the big. Is that sort my of, big scene? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it kind of culminates in an it, like. There's a fight scene around a campfire. Like you have a you have a moment with MacGyver where he like you know you're making bombs out of like reeds. <sighs> <laughs> and then and having a heart to heart and then it ends with like you throwing these bombs at, uh, around the campfire and like beating up the bad guys basically and I, you have a nice moment with a gun where you're like is he gonna is the kid gonna I kill do? him or not mm-hmm. i have no memory of that at all. It's <laughs> totally i have no memory it's so crazy because yeah. i was thinking about somebody was asking me this and i was like i don't know if i've ever shot a gun in anything i had a vague memory of having a gun in something and it's you that didn't episode. shoot it your dad talked you off the ledge there yeah right but i have it i have a gun right i have yes. a I fucking know. Wow, crazy. But but I just was like, um, it was just so shitty. I think I kind of blocked so much of it out to just sort of get through the day because mm-hmm. I knew that I wasn't going to be, and I was I was pretty traumatized. He was really really nice. I remember being really alarmed by his hair. It was like this kind of crazy three hundred dollar haircut in nineteen eighty right. whatever, which would probably mm-hmm. be like a fifteen hundred dollar haircut now. <laughs> um, but it was like it squiggly and kind of, of of amazing different lengths and shapes and kind of frosted tips. Yeah. And um, it, it was like per- perfect. Like he was very kind of he was always very uh, like he'd look in the camera um, in the reflection of the camera before we did a take to see his hair to make sure he looked OK and then kind of turn and do the scene. And that just seemed to me like the opposite of what you could as a good actor you never have that kind of self-consciousness but it was like a fucking stupid tv show so yeah. like the guy knew what he was doing i was like you know i was a protect i was like calling my agent crying like you know yeah. like you know <laughs> weeping 
Well, yeah, I mean, it was really. Wow. Um, the other thing is, I didn't know Henry Winkler was a producer on it, and I remember him showing up on set and being just like, "Oh my god, like that's Fonz. Fonzie, <laughs> yeah, fucking hell." Um, yeah, and he was not very nice. He was, hmm. he was. I mean, hmm. I, I think he just immediately didn't like me. He was like, "That that guy sucks." Like whoever <laughs> you guys hired to be. <laughs> His son, Pete's son, it just sucks. He just was not the right guy. But I had to come months later. So I went away and did a movie and came back and had to fucking loop my dialogue. All of my lines, every single one of my lines. I had to redo my lines. And the reason why was because Henry Winkler didn't think I had enough energy in the scenes. So I had to come back and do my dialogue. And it was it was like a, a quadruple double horror nightmare that I had to do this again, you know? Yeah, right. And Henry Winkler had taken over the session as the director and was like, wow. just screamed at me for two hours. And like, <laughs> oh my God. At one point, just stood, stood behind me because I was like having to sort of have energy to read the line or whatever. And I think, I don't even know what my lines were. Like, you know, oh God, Dad, I don't know how to make a bomb. Let's say it's that, yeah. you know? And he wanted to be like, oh God, Dad, I don't know how to make a bomb. But my face <laughs> was like, my, my original expression was just this sort of, dead trauma neutral yeah like yeah. get me out of here i don't have to make a bomb and henry winkler would stand behind me screaming like no bigger <laughs> and grab me like shake me really hard and scream acting it's just an attitude i hate this guy so much you know it was really wow yeah but that I, was my experience of it i i have to imagine when i've seen like interviews with him and stuff it's like oh this guy is in like not to excuse any of that, but it seemed it did seem like he was under a tremendous amount of pressure. It's the first thing he's ever produced. They put him with this like super old guy, like who had like a track record, and this is yeah. like his big thing. I can imagine there was like a lot riding on things, but to treat you like that, it's just yeah. crazy. It's well, also if you think about it, I mean, this character is a college student who's being held hostage um, by his estranged father's. <laughs> you know, former colleagues and is being asked to create bombs with some random dude in the woods. Um, <laughs> yeah. A, a traumatic deer in headlights response to that might and, be appropriate. And fucking, Fon and fucking Fonzie's all, like next to the camera. Like, why is, why is Fonzie he wants, here? Yeah, like, he wants you to like fuck, scream you know? your lines over a facial expression that is like completely dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And then, but um, I mean, I'm, I wasn't, doing what they wanted me to do we probably tried they probably tried everything you know <laughs> and that was like the final, the final thing was like just fucking strangle the kid yeah make him say oh, the line you know and that's oh. kind of what it came down to but he's great on barry and he's done yeah, other stuff he's great in i mean yeah. i mean i'm sure 40 years later he's sure. really mellowed <laughs> <laughs> if i met him now i'd be like he's great he's amazing yeah, yeah. You know? but yeah oh. that was really yeah it was very traumatic i was really good friends with laura flim Boyle for a long time and um she started dating Richard Ian Anderson. Mm -hmm. So I was around him a little bit socially and he's a totally great guy. He was fine. You know, he was like yeah. completely nice and friendly and, and made like a fortune on that show. Right. How long was, how many seasons was that Most on? Of it for? was seven seasons, seven, you know, yeah, and then so. he went on to do like that Stargate thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine I, be, like he, everybody who's ever, we've ever talked to has said that he's a super nice guy. And I can't yeah, even imagine having a reputation like that, working as hard as he does all the time and like not going crazy. Like he has to be the most right. mellow dude in the world. I do wonder if you received sort of feedback, like were people in your actual world, you know, folks you were acting with on other things um, or that you were friends with, do people see this um, and sort of 
give you any feedback on it? Yeah, Friends did. I mean, it was such a hit show. It was a pretty big hit show, right? Obviously, it was on for seven seasons. It was becoming one at this point. Yeah, I sort of expected like, Jesus, you really sucked in that, and um, nobody said that. I mean, <laughs> actually, you know what? I oh, I really hate watching myself. I hate it. By the time the thing happens that I have to see it, I've worked myself up into this panic. And I'm always a little bit relieved that I don't look like a complete monstrous freak, you know, that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not that bad. I mean, obviously I'm miserable and I have this, I'm so full of tension and I look like I'm trying to get out of frame half the time, you know, but, um, I love the idea of you physically trying to like get out. Like of it's like the seat. opposite of what extras do. You're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the of my acting career. I literally, right, right. I literally figure out where coverage would be. And I'd be like, well, if I'm, if I like, I'm on this. If I'm way over on this side of the frame, <laughs> and the lead actor is here, then ne- I'm never going to be in frame. I can go home early. No. I can just not like. <laughs> can I just brood in this corner here? That'd be great. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, uh, yeah. well, that's great. I mean, I I don't know, Annie. Do you have any other questions? This has been really fun. No, to this hear is this, side this of it. is perfect. Everything you have said um, is making me feel less crazy as a viewer of this show. <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I hate doing any of these kind of things, but there was just something. <laughs> I don't know why I felt compelled to do this. Maybe it's because I've been, you know, we're all so isolated. It's such a weird yeah. year. I'm like, sure. oh, I would love to talk to someone about my guy. That sounds really fun. Like, what? It was 100 years ago. No, well, you know, welcome so to funny. the story of how we started this project. <laughs> yeah. Like, while well, we're at home. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I will. One last thing I wanted to mention is the voiceover at the beginning. Dear God, um, that was rough. <laughs> Wait, that which was, one is that? When he's setting up the entire thing. It's after they have the excruciating conversation <laughs> where Pete uh, tries to tell him he doesn't need to come help. And right, right. And right. of course, he's like, my favorite no, line I'm is coming. the message is a computer printout. Real professional. No way to trace it. <laughs> <laughs> a computer printout. Well, you'll never find them that way. I'm like, well, I was just kind of bothered how he would have easily been caught. Yeah, he <laughs> like passed them on the road. Mm-hmm. So he's not technically following them. Right. But they're a bit in the middle of nowhere, right? Right. So- right. There's no other vehicles for a million miles. Yeah. yeah. There's so- no one there. And they it's his closest friend who works for the same organization <laughs> that he works for that the villain of this show presumably knows because right. he also used to work there. It's like maybe this plan is not uh gonna go off without a hitch. Yeah. Yeah, that that it just never occurred to them that the one anonymous guy on that bike might <laughs> have a connection to the guy. Yeah. You've kidnapped this guy, told him don't have anybody follow you. And suddenly you're being followed by a dirt bike going 60 miles an hour. I know it's okay. He passed. He passed us. <laughs> totally fine. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. The MacGyverisms were great. Uh, like I, I, I think I actually, the one that we didn't really talk much about that I think was the most successful was that whole donkey engine thing where he pulls the side of the yeah. building off and uh, has a diversion with an exploding gas can. Like, I think that worked pretty well. Yeah. Definitely an explosive heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Like most yeah, yeah. of his tricks were based yeah. on blowing things up. 
Yeah, like I personally, <laughs> I would have loved to see a bit, a bit more like MacGyver-ish, like, yeah, like yeah. using random bits. Which he would have done if they had caught him and locked him up with those other t- Exactly. People. Then they could have like broken out of locks and doors. Right. Which I think he could have done because that cabin did not seem exactly secure. <laughs> no. And I remember there was one scene where the door just actively creaks as you know they're <laughs> they're kind of running out to see what happens with the explosion, yeah. um, the diversional one. And my God, like <laughs> If Pete had any aptitude whatsoever right. <laughs> for this kind of work, he could have gotten them out of that room. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of sound effects, this is a dumb little thing that I always, always notice is that whenever a, a car goes around a corner on a dirt road and you hear squealing tire effects, it drives me crazy. It's like that happened several times where the cars are going and the cars are coming mm-hmm. and it's all in the backwoods on this dirt road. I'm like, uh, the only thing that makes me matter in TV shows is watching people, characters watch walk with empty coffee cups. That's the only other thing <laughs> I cannot stand watching. I feel like you know more about dirt roads than the average sure, person. Maybe. So that probably uh, bothers you. I, more it's just, as it, you know, it, it is something that sound people have decided it, it increases the tension and drama of any scene with cars to have the tires squeak yeah. a little bit when they go yeah. around the corner. It's the same thing that happens, and you probably notice this as a comedian, uh, is that when someone steps up to a hot microphone in any scenario on a TV feedback show, feedback happens, which yeah. does not happen in real life. Like, you know, someone grabs the microphone, excuse me, everybody, and ah! it's like, I, that never happens. And sound people should know that that never happens. Yeah, it did happen in my elementary school assembly a lot. Sure. But PA that was systems are different. Had yeah, no idea how, <laughs> right. how to not use it. to set up a microphone directly in front of right. a fucking speaker, <laughs> which is the one thing. Right. If I can impart anything on this podcast to yeah. anyone out there, it's microphones and speakers don't like to be no. next to each other. Right. Like this is basic. Oh, it's so fun. Well, I remember I learned that early, like five, because <laughs> I had that toy that like. It's got like a a face, but the mouth is a speaker. And then it's got a microphone and you will put it up to its own speaker and it would create that kind of feedback. Right. And it gets like ingrained in in your mind that like, oh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I think we have to take a quick break. Um, When we return, we're going to find out more about what Tina's been up to. And we're going to rate this episode on our super scientific DTNP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. I'm Lori. And I'm Natalie. And together, we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like, what if you're annoying? So, every week, we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my god, that sounded so official. Nailed it! We're back with our guest, Tina. Before we get to our final segment, um, is there anything you want to plug or anything? I, probably not a ton of shows going on right now to no, plug. Really. Well, where can people find you online if they yeah. want to check your schedule? Yeah, totally. Um, my official website, mm. com. But other than that, like Instagram would be... Is that also Tina Frimmel? 
Yeah, that, that is at to them for more. Cool. Um, do you think you'll do some outdoor shows this summer, maybe? Yes, I would love to. Whenever, wherever, if there's a show, I will, I will be there because <laughs> I, I can feel my stage fright growing back. Huh. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense because like once your calluses go away, it's like hard again to get in front of people and feel confident, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you've been at home um, just out of sight for so long and suddenly like, boom, people are looking at you. And Yeah, I get it. I have a feeling that audiences are going to be pretty charitable too when everybody comes back. So hopefully that'll... Let's hope so. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I'm feeling that pressure too of like starting to find that like self-doubt creep back in, that sort of thought of like should I even be doing this? Like, I don't know. Like what, what do I want to say? Like all of that, that I experienced like the first few years of comedy, I do feel that, um, those thoughts kind of creeping back in. And then also the pressure to come back with all, all new stuff, because Mm -hmm. like, you don't want to tell old jokes. Um, when you kind of come back from a year off, like you want to <laughs> feel like you came out of this time with yeah. some good, um, creative work under your belt. You know, I, that's a pressure we're all, all putting on each other, uh, on ourselves during this <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, that is ridiculous. Cause we're all also going through a huge emotional trauma. So if yeah. you don't come out yeah. with a bunch of brand new killer shit, yeah, I think that it's fine. applies to everyone else. Yeah. But for me, <laughs> for you, I yeah. have to. <laughs> what a surprise that Annie but, should hold herself to a high standard than others. (laughs) Well, so we're going to move on to our final segment here. It's time for It's Classified. Yes, um, we are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is, believe it or not. So we are going to rate this episode. Yeah. And uh, we're going to we're going to sort of rapid fire rate a couple of categories of, for, for this episode. Tina, you're our guest. So you go first uh, on a scale yeah. of one to ten. The first question is, how exciting did you find this episode? <laughs> oh, six. Six. Because he was never really captured. Like, he, mm-hmm. yeah, right. There right. was never any actual moment you were like, Pete uh, didn't care about his family. Uh, we didn't care about Pete. MacGyver yeah. never got in danger. <laughs> yeah. It was just a thing that happened that was just kind of, kind yeah. of awkward. Right. And then it ended. Right. Right. Gotcha. What about you, Annie? Oh, exciting. A bunch of stuff did blow up, uh, which I kind of liked. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I was excited by the dirt bike rides. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of episodes, just looking at this from having the benefit of like seeing a bunch of MacGyver right. episodes, I feel like this actually is on the more exciting end of the spectrum. So. It. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Oh, okay. The dirt bike rides were exciting. They were too long. The whole sequence was too long, but that's... What, what do you f- mean? Nathan? I don't get it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to go back in this direction and forth in this direction. And oh no, I got to get around him. It was uh, it was a while. Um, so how well crafted was this episode on a scale of one to 10? This is writing, editing, directing, acting, all of it. Oh my, well, <laughs> I actually kind of liked MacGyver, the actor, Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was cool and slick and just yeah. 
Perfect. I would give that more like a a seven. A seven. All right. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Annie? Well. <laughs> Sigh. Sigh. <laughs> uh, uh, three. I, <laughs> this episode was about Pete, which I hate. Um, <laughs> Pete's family hates him, uh-huh. which I respect. Uh, and yeah, they're just there were uh, just no stakes. I really wanted to see MacGyver fooled by our Bayou boy um, mm-hmm. at the beginning there, and I really wanted to see him get himself actually in danger, yeah. uh, considering he's like the one dude uh, sent to to take care of this. Um, right. It was just too um, MacGyver was was doing his uh, normal. Um, you know, too chill for the situation yeah. <laughs> um, performance. Right. So right. that didn't, it didn't quite fit. Um, gotcha. And again, the writing on um, Pete's ex-wife was abysmal um, <laughs> for yes. nothing to do. I agree with Tina that that character could have just vanished and we would not have missed yeah. it. Yeah. I think there was kind of an engine that moved the story along, which I appreciated that I never really got bored with this one the way I have with some other ones. Um, uh you know, the acting was hammy, but not the worst we've seen. Uh, I'll give it a five, five and a half. We'll give it a five and a half. Now we use a one to five scale on these last two questions here, Tina. Right. So uh, on a scale of one to five, how innovative was this episode? This is all the MacGyverisms that he does. He makes oh. up shit the whole way long. You know, there was nothing I really felt like, oh, shit. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah. like, the wow uh, factor wasn't there for you? Yeah, even like my favorite MacGyverism, the dummy, hmm. I've done that <laughs> as a kid. Like, you made a dummy. You know, I've once done that. It's like when you sneak out of the house and you try to. Exactly. <laughs> You've got pillows and like yeah. a little hockey mask or right. something under yeah. the like. Hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, uh, like a two. Two. Okay, cool. Yeah. What about you, Annie? Innovative. Yeah, I, I'm going to give this a three middle of the road, um, good kind of like actiony stuff, but sure. in terms of like the sciencey innovation that we mm. kind of love to see him figure something out, um, yeah. that wasn't really there. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it, it did feel like every step of the way, he just, there was something in front of him and he used it, but there was never that moment that you'd love to see where he's looking at shit in a room mm-hmm. and piecing it together with that piecing it together music, you know, like, um, so I'll give it a three as well. Uh, 80s cool factor. Ooh. <laughs> How 80s cool was this episode as it compares to other 80s pop culture stuff? You know. Might be tough. You haven't watched a lot of 80s TV probably or, you know, but you have a, well, an idea well, of the aesthetic. Well, I mean, I grew up in the 90s in Vermont, yeah. so I am really into 80s culture. I get it. Yeah, we were kind of behind. Yeah. Um, but, well, you got the motorbike, you got the leather mm-hmm. jacket. Right. Um, you got the great crawling butt shot with, like, tight, <laughs> mm-hmm. tight pants. There were some good, uh, yeah, yeah, shots After that. being indoors for, for a year, <laughs> I like that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> it, it should be noted that, like, all of our standards are basically at rock bottom. Yeah, um, right, So right. it's, I... For me, like seeing him in that camo and the headband yeah. and feeling myself be like, oh, cool. Like yeah. that's, that should be a warning sign. <laughs> <laughs> that you haven't been out of your house in a year. Something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All the wardrobe changes. Yeah. I liked. So four, four, I would say. Gotcha. 
How about you, Annie? Again, I say this is an episode about Pete reconnecting <laughs> with his teen son. It's sure. not fucking cool. Um, <laughs> it's, it's dorky in that way. Yeah, it's so dorky. So yeah. one. One. Wow, that's really low. I don't agree with that. I mean, I agree that that's dorky, uh, but there's enough cool to balance it out to me. Like the dirt bike thing was super cool, leather jacket. Uh, even just like all the one punch, like I punched this bad guy once and he's <laughs> knocked out for good uh, and then I can make things explode. Uh, that all felt very 80s to me. Um, he was like a one-man A-team here a little bit. I'm giving it a three and a half. Um, okay, we have a couple of bonus categories. If any of these things is true, it'll get extra points. Does he help out an old friend in this episode? Now, I think we kind of decided in this season that Pete doesn't count, right? Yeah, we decided Pete doesn't count. Pete is so um, often in need of his help that he doesn't count as an old friend anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, you love it when your boss who's supposed to protect you <laughs> right. in the field is the one who constantly needs your assistance. Yeah, right. <laughs> um is he is he detained? Is MacGyver con- detained against his will in this one? I don't think he is ever really. No. Yeah. So for maybe only like the second time this season, um, we get no bonus points for this episode. Um, all right, that concludes its classified. It's time to reveal the results. Uh, out of a total possible one hundred points, this episode receives fifty three and a half points. It's in the middle. It's squarely in the middle. Wow. Um, literally, it's like. Above it is twice stung and below it is the human factor. Um, and yeah, I couldn't be more dead middle right now. So I am shocked that a story about a divorced middle-aged man um, with issues with his ex-wife and yeah. teen son is middle of the road. Middle of average. the road. <laughs> yeah. Just average all around. Average all around. Um, Tina, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Of um, course. Thank you for having me. What about you, Annie? Any other parting thoughts or about this episode or anything else? No, I I said all I need to say. <laughs> I am so happy for Pete's ex-wife that she's moving on with her life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and our socials and our Patreon. It's all at The MacGyver Pod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check out uh, Pluto TV that's free there or watch them on Paramount Plus, previously known as CBS All Access, or you can buy them on Amazon Prime. Join us next week when we'll be breaking down Season 2, Episode 13, Soft Touch. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 